Hello, Internet. This is Yes, the Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. And I'm Alistair Rendell. And this is your chat over coffee, glue wine, whatever festive drink of choice you have ready. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, welcome. The end of the year approaches, although it's only the calendar year. The Eurovision year is well into its flow. We have national finals, we have songs being selected, and of course we're all looking forward to Liverpool and just how much needs to be organised before we get to our song contest in May. A ridiculous amount, which is why I've invited Alistair Randall on to have a little chat over coffee about OGAE's preparations for the song contest. But I suppose, Alistair, I have to start with, what's been the most surprising thing? The surprising thing is people are surprised. We were always going to have our moment again. You know, I was never one of these people that subscribed to the, we're never going to do well again. You know, you know, everyone else is always going to do better than us, but constantly just going to be kind of mid-table or, or lower. We were all always going to do well at some point. You know, there are 40-odd countries taking part. Every country is going to have their, their time to shine, and, and, and it's ours at the moment. What do you hope for then at Liverpool? In terms of how well the UK is going to do. I mean, I think, you know, a win. I think we can be, I don't think it's cocky now to say we want to win. Um, you know, we, we people sometimes forget we didn't actually win this year. Yes, we came second and in, in other circumstances we might have done, but I think sometimes people have kind of got a little bit carried away and thought we did actually win this year. No, we didn't. But I think we could win again very soon. I think there's a momentum there um, and it can become a bit of a, a virtuous circle at times. We do well, success breeds success. So a win is what we should be aiming for but as you say there we didn't win last year i did win the pub the, the jury vote though so we can we can take away that if this was you know in the 20th century we would have won oh and i think i think if circumstances had been different this year we would have won the whole shebang but there are always circumstances then exactly one of the circumstances that has to be dealt with of course this is all wrapped up in russia's invasion of ukraine and it, that's also in a way why we're ending up in liverpool as a contest in May 2023. Absolutely. And, you know, there is going to be a lot of Ukraine in Liverpool. I'm pretty sure that the contest will have a real strong Ukrainian flavour to it. Rightly rightly so. I think it was, wasn't it Sam Ryder who said, this is Ukraine's party, we're hosting it. And I think, that's, uh, I think that sums up what Eurovision 2023 is going to be like. And I think Liverpool have, have embraced the, the Ukraine connection wholeheartedly. They're, I think, you know, I think that's why they probably won the bid their bid was was laced with ukraine flavor it, it felt like it had struck the right tone in terms of what the contest should be like um but it's also going to be you know quintessentially liverpool and what i've got you onto the show to talk about here is oga's involvement you're now part of the home country you're very closely involved with this and i'm assuming it's because it's like ah it's on our soil everybody hands on deck uh, yeah, so the current committee asked me to run the hosting committee. So there's a kind of subcommittee, if you can call it that, that will be charged with 
running the Euro Club basically and, and putting on things for the, the, the thousands and thousands of people descending on Liverpool in May. Obviously, I've got experience of running Eurobash for many years and kind of building that up. And my other Eurovision role which predated my OGA role running Eurofest, so the UK's longest running Eurovision club night. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's an honour, a privilege. It's um, daunting, scary at the same time. But uh, yeah, so we we know our venue, which is unheard of this early. To be honest, usually you don't get the Euro Club venue to, you know, February, March. I think it was Lisbon. Felt like a couple of weeks before. Suddenly it was mentioned. Ah, yes, Euro Cafe. That's where it's going to be. Um, tickets go on sale in five minutes time. You've got about five minutes uh, to buy your wristband. Um, so it it's nice to have things a little earlier this year to start the planning. So yeah. So far, so far, so exciting and scary. I, I can imagine this. There's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of eyes and there's a lot of community. Now, when a broadcaster gets wins the Eurovision Song Contest or gets the hosting, there's a whole bundle of folders and help and everything from the EBU. Is there a big folder from OGA International? There is. There is the OGA hosting manual. Big, big confidential document that tells you basically how to run a Euro club. Now, often... now often you're starting completely from scratch in that you need to find a venue. We've been really lucky in that, you know, we had discussions with the Liverpool city council early on and, you know, the venue kind of, you know, was, was there for us. So in that respect, some of the the things that are in the manual, you know, find a venue that's got toilets, find a venue that's got cloakroom facilities, find a venue that's got a stage, all those kind of things. They're actually, you know, that, that hard work's been done for us. So we've got the chance to focus on the, the content side of things, but yeah, there is, there is the hosting manual, uh, which was done a few years ago now when it felt like there was a bit of, um, not maybe, maybe inconsistency is not the right word, but you're getting that corporate memory of what makes a good Euro club or good Euro cafe. I think that's what was lacking. Because my OJ International put this this document together to make sure clubs, especially, I guess, it's more useful for the smaller clubs. Perhaps don't have as much experience and kind of putting on big events, telling people what a what a Euro club should be like. Now you mentioned Euro Cafe in there as well. There have been years where that's been a separate venue, and yep. there have been years where it's sort of been in the same building and everybody just kind of well it's night time let's turn the signs around are you in any position to talk about your old cafe because not everybody wants that big pumping dance floor in the evenings yeah so we 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 genuinely don't know yet so often it's the, the, the reason there's been a euro cafe before is that often the euro club has been exclusively for for delegates and it's been kind of run by the host broadcaster or by the the, the host city and euro cafe has been the OGA event now this year luckily you know we've worked very closely with the host that venue with Liverpool City Council and it is the OJ Euro Club. So we are working closely with the City Council. You know, it's been on the Eurovision.tv website where it's, you know, described as the official Euro Club. So there probably won't be a separate Euro Cafe in terms of kind of two, almost two, two identical venues, both doing kind of things. But we are still working on what a kind of daytime uh, option is going to be because, you know, the Eurovision fan experience is more than just going clubbing and seeing Eurovision acts in the evening. So we are, you know, the venue is potentially open in the daytime, but then we're looking at other other options that can be done in the daytime. We, we've kind of got this, um, what, what we'd love to do, and, you know, is, is very early days, is, you know, how Olympics have, like, your Olympic houses, you know, your Dutch house, your German house. So, so something along those lines would be great, but, you know, we're not, we're, it's too, too early down the road to kind of know where we're going to get to with that. As you say, we already know the venue. That's quite a few steps ahead already. 
Yes. Yes. And it is a fabulous venue. Tell us a little bit um, about it then. This is it Furnace, isn't it? Camp and Furnace. Oh, Camp so and Furnace. Of course camp, it is. Camp and Furnace. And it's uh, it's kind of a sort of warehousey type vibe. It's in the Baltic Triangle, which is the sort of the warehouse district of, of Liverpool. Quite, um, quite trendy. Only about a 10 minute walk from the, the, the venue itself for Eurovision, which in itself is amazing because, you know, so often fans have traipsed across a city to get from contest venue to Euro club slash Euro cafe venue. I seem to remember from Vienna, it was about 45 minutes on the metro to get from, from one to the other. So this is this is going to be pretty, pretty good. It's a 10 minute walk um, made up of two big spaces so we think one will be more kind of where the live acts performing one will just be more a straightforward disco but still working out what that's gonna look like and, and feel like amazing stage amazing sound system very simple bar and i mean that as a compliment you know it's a bar where you go and take your money and buy beer or buy wine over the years we've had a few interesting scenarios with tokens or go to this stand to get your token then go to this stand to get your glass then queue up for an hour to get your beer this is just a straightforward proud to be british bar which i think will hopefully be just what we need now you also mentioned there that this year it's the official euro club now that obviously means that there's going to presumably be a little bit more support from ebu liverpool city council host broadcasters whatever services they're putting on as well but it probably also adds in a, another layer of complexity. I don't know if it adds a layer of complexity. I mean, you know, so far there's, there's a, the, all the organising has been with OGE, with the city council and and with the venue. Um, but obviously it's been publicised on Eurovision.tv. Um, so, I, so far, and, you know, without sounding like a broken record, it is early days, but so far that doesn't seem to have kind of added any kind of complexity. In fact, you know, it's, you know, it's great to have that kind of official branding and that official kind of backing, you know, not least from my perspective, as I'll be spending the next couple of months contacting various acts around the Eurovision back catalogue to really come and perform and saying, look, this is this is the official Euro Club because lots of places are going to be putting on events. You know, there is, you know, I think some people have been worried there's actually going to be too much in Liverpool because the city is really getting behind it in a way that some cities haven't. Um, but I think being that official venue, I think will be will give a bit of added kudos to it. I don't think there's going to be enough. The amount of people that were just, oh, can I get tickets? Oh, no, I watch Eurovision all the time. It's like, I know you do. It's going to be very hard for even for us to get tickets. So um, maybe you should just come and enjoy Liverpool instead. Oh, we've, we've all got our work colleagues that have suddenly decided they want to know, oh, how, how should we get tickets? Me and my friend were thinking of applying. Mm, good luck with that. But at the same time, that's great. We're glad you're interested. Have you tried Melody Festival? And there's 70,000 seats there. Yes. Yes, definitely. If they open up the top tiers, I don't know. Um, here's here's the thing. Yeah, we are fans all year round, but a lot of people, Eurovision is a thing that happens in May, and for them to suddenly realise there is just more than a week, like open nine days for the Euro. Yeah, it's going to be open, yeah. and, and that's a novelty this year as well. So it's going to be open from the first Friday. So what's that? Is that the seventh or the eighth? I can't remember. The days are all merging into one, but whatever that first Friday is. Yeah, uh, which of course is a bank holiday weekend next year as well. Those people who've had who experience Eurovision on Saturday night mm. to suddenly realise that they can go to Liverpool and it's Eurovision for a week is going to be mind blowing. 
yeah, I don't think people have quite realised what they're letting themselves in for. Um, I mean, the, the the venue, the guys at Camp and Furnace have just been absolutely amazing. They've been so good to, to deal with, so helpful. Um, but we're sort of explaining to them, like, look, it's just it's going to be wall to wall Eurovision. It's you know, until you almost until you've experienced it, it's actually quite difficult to explain because you can say, oh, we're playing non-stop Eurovision all week, and like, oh, really? What's but how will that work? So. I, no, trust me, that's what it's going to be like. <laughs> and it's not like you can say to them, go and look at last year's Euro Club, because by the time we know where the next Euro Club is, it's done and dusted and gone. And they can't they can't do a recce trip down to Turin just in case. No, but I think I think the the, the concept of Euro Club is becoming more and more well known outside of the bubble. Um, you know, helped to be honest with people like Rylan who you know have been tweeting about Euroclub and he retweeted about you know the, the announcement last week and you know saying how excited he was and people have got to know the concept of Euroclub I think a bit more than maybe four or five years ago where it was you know it was just this sort of fan bubble thing I think it's kind of getting into kind of people's awareness a bit more. What was your first Euroclub? So my first euro club was malmo because dusseldorf i didn't have euro club ticket no not malmo sorry well, i'm going mad athens athens 2006 that was my first euro club where i think they had an issue with the licensing and there was no you couldn't buy alcohol in euro club you got given a token on entry and that was your drinks token for the night so my my it, my initial experience of euro club was unusual lovely venue this massive converted brewery and you know all the great djs and obviously athens lovely weather lovely evenings out on the terrace with your one beer that had to last till about three in the morning <laughs> uh i love the way that you just only jumped five years in there she's like oh 2011 2012 oh no no 2006 yes yes they all, they all started to merge into one after a while and ha- we have had some great ones so yeah athens was a, was a lovely venue just no uh, no drinks belgrade was uh, lots of lots of drink and a less nice venue i seem to remember water coming in through the roof at one point um so yeah every every, every city does something it, it, it's it's amazing how what should be such a simple concept is done so differently each year so what's going to be different is it can you cast yourself forward and think what's going to be memorable at this Euro Club? I'm hoping its proximity to the venue is actually part of its selling point. You know, it will become part of, you know, the night. You know, you do something in the village in the afternoon at Pierhead. It's only you almost got a geographical kind of journey. You've got your daytime in Pierhead, then you go down to the Albert Dock to the, for the show, and then over the road to the Baltic Triangle for Euro Club. And I think one of the things that is going to be special about this year's Euro Club is yes, the centerpiece is Euro Club, Camp and Furnace, but you know, Liverpool City Council have been quite open about how they want to make that whole area, the Baltic Triangle, a kind of nighttime Euro Club. So, you know, hopefully we'll spill out onto the streets a bit. Um, some of the neighbouring bars will kind of pick up that some of that Euro Club vibe. So it will be much more of a, you know, not a warehouse on the edge of town, as it can sometimes be, not just a sort of bubble. It will be more more integrated into the city and more integrated into the, the, the experience, because sometimes Euro Club can be a little bit too much of that kind of right now we're all going to get on a tram and go to this abandoned warehouse at the edge of town and that is euro club now that that can be good but you know i think this will be this this should make it a fun experience what about if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking you know what i want to help how can i help uh 
I mean, the honest answer is you're too late because we've just uh, set up our hosting committee through through the fan club. We put the call, for, you know, for call for people that that wanted to get involved, and we're, we're just setting up that committee. But of course, you know, if someone has great skills in, you know, event organising or has got loads of contacts um, or you know particular finance skills or something they think be really useful for kind of putting together a, a nine-day event then you know i'm i'm open and what about nearer the time are you going to be looking for volunteers to help in the club so that's still sort of something we're looking at discussing with the venue in terms of how what they will provide obviously they you know they are a fully staffed venue so it's not that we will need to provide kind of you know people to to man the event as it were but um I'm sure the city council will be having discussions about what they do in terms of volunteers for the city as a whole, you know, as you get with Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games and that kind of thing. So I think that might be wrapped up into into that. And, it, and it's still quite early days in planning. We're going to come back to that point, fair enough. But I didn't want to get a nice little flavour of it. But even now, a couple of weeks into the planning, what have you learned? Lots of people want to get involved. Lots of people want to help. And that's a good thing. I, I think I was worried that people would be like, oh, no, you know, that's someone else's job to do to kind of organise. Actually, people have been really you know, keen to come up with ideas and kind of offer offer help. Um, I think just how much Liverpool City Council are embracing the whole thing, Eurovision, is just it's it's amazing. I think people kind of are starting to grasp it, but they they really are. They're just so in, so engaged. It's just, you know, after some years where that just hasn't been there it's you know even you know i went i was in liverpool of two or three weeks ago i did a site visit met some of the city council people uh, it almost felt like the city was already kind of getting into eurovision gear six months in advance sometimes some host cities it can take you know a couple of days before before suddenly things start to feel you know you could even be in the first week and you wouldn't know you were in a eurovision host city sometimes but it's already feeling with liverpool that you know they're ready for it now you've been around various levels of government and civics for many many years why do you think liverpool is taking this so seriously then the honest answer is i don't know i think i think the the stars have kind of aligned at the right time. Um, I think, you know, I think Liverpool's got that Ukraine connection, which I think has helped. And I think they've been very keen to to really kind of play that up in a good way uh, and kind of emphasise that connection. I think suddenly people have just got to Eurovision in this country, you know, and it's it, and I think Liverpool's been there at the right time. And I think they did the right bid at the right time. Um, and I think, there's also the fact that fingers crossed next year will be the most normal Eurovision for a few years, you know, post COVID because even Turin, it wasn't quite the same in terms of, you know, no, the, the, you know, the way the venue was set up and some of the restrictions that were still in place. So I think everyone's ready for a kind of real big Eurovision experience. Um, and I think, you know, Liverpool City Council, all the organisers have realised that Eurovision is actually massive in the UK and there are thousands of Eurovision fans. You know, we were already the biggest fan club by some distance before Sam Ryder. Uh, obviously, you know, it's grown even more since then, but there was it felt like there was this kind of tidal wave enthusiasm just ready to ready to build and it just, everything kind of happened at the right time. And Liverpool, and Liverpool got that in a way that other um, cities didn't. Let me just finish up with this. How do you deal with the idea of integrating Ukraine into the Euro Club? Oh, it's 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 you know that's something we're already talking about, and 
hopefully going to have people from OJ Ukraine involved in some of the planning work and um, some of the discussions about content. Um, again, too early to Ace to say kind of to what extent that will be and kind of what the Ukraine flavor will be. But no, it's it's you know given Eurovision 2023 is going to have such a Ukraine feel to it. It would be it would be wrong if Euroclub didn't reflect that. So yeah, that's that's definitely going to be a key part of the Euroclub experience. When you look forward, what are you most looking forward to? It being over. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm looking forward to it just all coming together. You know, we've been ready for this for years. You know, the UK has been, been ready to host Eurovision for so long. And I think it's finally happening. And, you know, to be playing such a, a key role as such a, you know, a huge honour for, an, for it just to just to happen OGA UK is open for membership it's an open membership on the website and everything how can people get in touch and find out more about becoming a member let's go to www.ogae.uk and there'll be details there of how to join um, fully recommend joining I would say that wouldn't I but uh, yeah biggest fan club in the world Lots of stuff going on throughout the year, not just for OJ members, but it's a great way of meeting like-minded fans. Um, so yeah, come and come and join us. Everyone's welcome. And as always, we will have links to that back on our website, www.easyinsight.com, so you can check the show notes as well, and you will find links through to the OGA UK website as well. And if you're not in the UK, there will be a local OGA chapter as well. So you Absolutely, there are OGA through. clubs around the world. We've got about 40 five OGA clubs I think it is now because I'm now on the board of OJ International that kind of coordinates and um yeah it's 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 a it's a very growing community and if you can't find the one that you're looking for just ask OGA UK over a nice contact form I'm sure they'll point you in the right direction and even if your club doesn't have one there's the the all-encompassing OGA rest of the world which kind of sweeps up all the other nations indeed Alistair thanks very much for letting us know the early plans it's great to hear we're on course for an impressive Euro club, and I'm sure we're going to hear more details as we get closer and closer to May. Absolutely, yeah. Busy and exciting and mildly daunting few months ahead of us. Now, you've been on this podcast before, haven't you? A while ago. So you know what happens now, don't you? I knew there was something and I've forgotten. <laughs> This ESC Insight chat over coffee was hosted by you and Spence with Alistair Randall. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us patreon.com slash ESC Insights.